Welcome to this week's energy show. Now this week, we're going to be talking about the outlook for solar and storage in the new year 2022. Now, we're going to focus on residential solar and storage. Um, Utility-scale solar is growing really, really fast, continuing to grow because utilities need more power. They're also putting in utility-scale battery systems. The commercial flat-roof solar market is relatively stable. It's good. The challenge with the commercial market is there's still no good, stable, standard battery storage system. So we're putting in commercial systems, but we don't have a good solution that we're confident in for commercial battery storage. But it's undoubtedly going to be the best year ever to get solar and battery backup system for homes, for residential customers. And this includes getting an upgrade to your solar system if you want more solar panels or if you want to put in a battery system. Now, there's three reasons why I'm confident that 2022 is going to be a really big year for solar and battery storage for residential. The first reason is that the solar investment tax credit is going down in 2023 to 22%. Right now, it's 26%. And in 2024, it's going to zero. The second reason is pg and continues to do a terrific economic marketing job for somebody putting in solar and storage. In fact, they raised rates a lot last year, and they're going to probably raise rates even more this year. And the third reason, and this is where the utilities are really out to get all the customers, is that they lobbied the California Public Utility Commission to issue a preliminary decision to basically eliminate net metering at the end of May 2022. That's right, you heard it. They want to eliminate net metering. They don't really say they're going to eliminate it. They're going to come out with net metering 3. But net metering 3 is worse than no net metering at all, so it's gone. All right, so I try to put myself in customer's shoes and put together the information that you need to make a good decision about solar and storage for your home or maybe for your business. And I'm going to consider this from four basic perspectives. From an economic perspective, from an equipment and a contractor availability perspective, from a lifestyle perspective, and from a safety perspective. All right, first, let's start with the economics. This is where PG&E is doing a great job for anybody who's interested in solar or storage. In 2021, they raised rates to the average customers by 11%. Now, you got to remember, rates have steadily been increasing by you know, 5 to 7% forever. But in 2021, they raised them a lot, 11%. And if you're surprised at that, buckle up for 2022. They already announced a rate increase effective in January 22. That's right now, 9%. And in that announcement, they also said there will be more rate increases in 2022 as soon as they get permission from the California Public Utilities Commission. So they've got other rate increases that they've planned. They haven't gone into effect yet. Now, this isn't anything to do with net metering. This is just like raising your basic per kilowatt hour rates, and they're going up a lot. So you might say, gee, why are these electric rates so high? Why do they go up faster than inflation, faster than anything else? Well, the reason is really, really simple. It's the utility business model, full stop. We've talked about this before. But rates are going to continue going up much faster than inflation because the utilities basically are getting a blank check from the Public Utility Commission and the government to raise rates as high as they want. And if they negotiate, they say that they want to raise rates 15% and they compromise, bummer, it's only 10%. But it's clobbering everybody. So it's just because of the business model that they have that they get an automatic rate of return on their assets. They keep adding assets. I mean, we talked about this. They want to bury 10,000 miles of power lines underground. Sounds like a good thing. 
It's going to cost $88 billion over 10 years. And that's an amazing amount of money. And as we talked about it before, it's enough to put solar in storage on every house in Northern California. All right. But the rates are going to keep going up. There's no stopping them. And so what else is happening? All right. The other thing that's happening is that the California Public Utilities Commission, the CPUC, announced a preliminary decision about three weeks ago to eliminate net metering. And so net metering is the billing arrangement where when you have excess power from your solar system, you basically sell it back to the utility at the same price that they're selling power to you. And there's a little bit of a cutback there. I think you get 95% of what you sell back. So there's a little bit of a reduction. You don't get the full retail rate. But for example, if the average electric rate during the day is 35 cents a kilowatt hour, when you send that power back to the utility and your meter measures that, they give you a credit of 33 cents a kilowatt hour. And that's called net metering. It's pretty fair. Well, the utilities don't like that because they don't get the revenue and they want to discourage customers, businesses, homeowners from putting in their own solar and battery storage systems for a very simple reason. This comes back to the utility business model. The very simple reason is they get a guaranteed profit of 10% on every asset they have, on every building, on every substation, on every generating facility. They get 12% actually on transmission lines. So the more assets the utilities put in, the more of a guaranteed profit they have. So they don't want you to put in assets. They don't like it when you invest your own money in your own power system because they lose the revenue and the profit. All right, so that's basically what's happening. So what they want to do is change the net metering arrangement. We're already on net metering version two, which went into effect, I think, in like 2015. They want to change it to net metering three. And their decision from the Public Utilities Commission with a ton of utility lobbying and fighting back from the solar industry, but the decision is to reduce the amount of credit you get from 33 cents to a nickel. So they're basically going to pay you the wholesale rate at which they generate power when you put power back onto the grid in your neighborhood instead of the price at which they're selling it to you. So you're going from 33 cents down to 5 cents. It really hurts customers who have solar. It really hurts people who basically want to use their excess power to send to their neighbors. Now, the second thing, there's really three parts to this really bad decision. The first is they want to cut the sell back rate. The second is they want to add a monthly fee to every single solar customer for the privilege of putting solar panels on your roof so you reduce your electric bill. And that fee depends on the size of the system. For the typical system, it's going to be like $50 a month. So just because you want to put on solar so you cut back your electric bill, the utilities say, yeah, heck with it. We managed to convince the government to make us whole for any of our profit loss. And that's a huge impact. And the third thing I want to do, they want to do is also, they want to reduce the grandfathering period for people who were on any net metering regime. So when you were on net metering one, you had a 25-year grandfathering. When you're on net metering two, you get a 20-year grandfathering. That means they can't change your net metering percentage for 20 years. Well, what the utilities have gotten the PUC to agree to do is reduce the grandfathering period for new and existing customers. So those of you on net metering two, your grandfathering is going to go down from 20 years to 15 years. It's kind of retroactively clobbering the value of your system. So when we kind of go through the numbers, the reality is you're better off with no net metering at all. You can connect to the grid under something called Rule 21. You can say to the utility, hey, I'm not going to sell you any power at all. I'm just going to keep all my power. I'm going to put it in my battery. I'm going to use it at night. Heck with you. Eh, I'll still connect to the utility if I need to charge up my EV at night. But as far as giving the utility and the benefits of my solar system, none. So that's what's going to happen. It's a big fight. 
The preliminary decision goes into effect at the end of May 2022, five months from now. The solar industry has been fighting this change tooth and claw for two years, and basically we lost. The utilities got almost everything they were asking for. So not good, and that's that's why the economics for putting in solar and storage now are good, and after May, they're going to suck. All right. The third reason is the solar investment tax credit, ITC, is a credit reduction of your income tax. It's not a deduction which just reduces your income. This is actually money you get back or reduces your taxes. That tax credit is currently at 26%. It's going to go down to 22% in 2023 and then zero in 2024. So basically we've got two years, less a, a week or so, of these tax credits, then they go away. So it's 4% cheaper this year to install your solar and storage than it will be next year. So you save 4% if you get the system in this year. And it's also important to realize that that tax credit also applies to any roofing or electrical work that's directly related to solar. Okay. All right. Now, the next reason from an economic standpoint is prices keep going up, especially battery prices. So you got to remember in the world, there's a limited amount of battery cell production. Now, what are these battery cells used for? The EV industry, the electric vehicle industry is just gobbling up the production amount of lithium ion battery cells. Now, they're also going into utility projects. Utilities are putting in batteries at their solar farms, at their substations. We need it. And obviously, lots and lots of homeowners are putting in batteries so that they have protection from blackouts and they can actually also reduce their electric bills. The thing is that the car companies are the elephant in the room. They're the big customers. They can make plans five years in advance to say we want a gigawatt hour of battery production. And they're going to the biggest manufacturers in the world, LG, Panasonic, BYD, and they're just that production is just gone. So the priority goes to the car manufacturers. The second biggest customers are the utilities because they're buying big quantities too. And the th- kind of the third category are the, the businesses and homes that want to put in their own battery backup systems. But it's not as big as those other two markets. So the overall demand for battery cells is very high. And basically, it's the same type of cell used, whether it's in a car, in a house, or a utility. Sometimes there's little changes, but it's basically the same. And you got to remember that this production ramps up very slowly. So when Ford and GM say, hey, we're going to be the electric vehicle leaders, well, you know, they're not going to be electric vehicle leaders for years unless they're able to get those battery cells. And they're also putting in big orders. And so since the production ramps up slowly, there's basically a shortage. And what does a rational manufacturer do? Well, they raise the prices because they can't supply the market. They might as well get additional profit. So the prices for battery storage systems for homes, for cars, for for businesses too, those have all gone up. Now, the solar panel prices, they've already gone up a little bit, and it's partially due to supply chain and shipping issues. There's just a limited amount of production. It's partially due to tariffs, and it's partially due to general inflation. But the price we're paying for solar panels right now is higher than it was last year, two years ago, three years ago. Um, We kind of had a really nice dip in 2014, and then it's just kind of steadily stabilized, and now it's gone up. So even though there's more production capacity, the pricing is gradually going up, mostly because of inflationary and supply chain pressures. So bottom line, the two biggest cost factors in a solar and battery system, the solar panels and the batteries, the prices for that equipment is going up, not down. Okay, so we've talked about equipment pricing, batteries and solar panels, but the availability of the equipment at any price 
is very, very tight and in some cases completely sold out. And furthermore, the contractors who were qualified and experienced in installing these systems, they're really busy. So from an availability standpoint of the equipment or the installers, it's really, really tight. So we talked about the battery pricing going up. The production capacity is completely sold out for residential batteries until 2022. You know, I'm not saying that everything that's been made has actually been on on a house or is in a distributor's warehouse, but everybody's pre-ordered. And there's a six-month delay from when distributors order equipment or really big installers order, order equipment and they actually get it installed. So there'll be product available, I think, in like the third and fourth quarter. But as far as any installer saying, hey, I've got a lot of batteries and I can do the installation free in April, you'll get in under net metering too. Unless they've got the batteries in stock or a 100% commitment from their suppliers, there's a good chance that they're just not going to be able to get the equipment because everybody's trying to grab it. So talking about solar panels, there's pretty much plenty of solar panels. You might not get exactly the ma- the manufacturer that you want or the size or the model you want, but there's a lot of solar panels and they're relatively interchangeable. It's just that the price is a little bit higher. But as far as the battery systems, they're basically, there's not any incremental capacity to deliver in the U.S. until probably the third or fourth quarter. And unfortunately with battery systems, they're not interchangeable like solar panels. I can take a solar panel from LG and install it on an inverter from SolarEdge, and I can take a solar panel from Trina, or I can take a solar panel from any other company, and it'll work with the inverters. Usually we're using SolarEdge. It'll work with those inverters. But as far as batteries, they have to communicate so carefully with the inverter that there's a one-to-one correspondence. You can't swap these things around like solar panels. So if you can't get a certain kind of battery, that's pretty much means that you may not actually be able to get that system installed. Now, What's kind of made the situation worse is contractors, distributors have seen this change of net metering two to net metering three, and they've pre-ordered equipment. And so the smart contractors, the large contractors, they've already pre-ordered their equipment directly from distributors or manufacturers, and, and they, they know what they're going to get. But you know, people who are just a little bit not as aware of the changes, or maybe you know, if you're not in California, you're not aware of this demand spike in California. California is half the market. So what happens in California is going to affect solar installations throughout the country. And so for everybody listening to this podcast, even if you're not in California, just keep in mind that it's going to be really tough to get batteries. There'll be some, you might not get what you want. You're not going to get it when you want. It's going to be really, really tough to get anything before Q3. It's going to just be a challenge. And it's not, as I mentioned, it's not just the equipment. The contractors that have batteries are basically getting booked up. And I'm kind of looking at it from our own business. I mean, we have to have the system installed, inspected, and interconnected. I, 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 before the end of May. And that means that we pretty much have to have the installation physically done by April because it sometimes takes a few weeks to get it inspected and if there's any issues and then also getting it interconnected with the utility. So the good contractors pretty quickly are going to get booked up until the point at which they're not going to be able to honestly say to people, yeah, we'll get it done by the end of May because there's just too many uncertainties. So you got to be careful about that. So not only do you have to find a contract with batteries, but you have to sign up early because the good contractors are just going to say, hey, you know, we're just booked to the summer. We can't take any more business. All right. Now, the next benefit of these battery systems and the reason why people want them is they have some really good lifestyle benefits. Now, battery systems have evolved a heck of a lot over the last 20 years. 
And the biggest change has been the migration from lead-acid batteries to lithium-ion batteries. These lithium-ion batteries, yes, they're more expensive, not like a bunch of cheap car batteries, but they're much more reliable, they're much more powerful, and they last a lot longer. We're on the second and third generation of home lithium-ion battery systems. They're good for over 10 years. It's a guarantee from big companies like LG for over 10 years. Same as your EV battery. You buy an EV, they're usually going to guarantee the battery for 10 years as long as you drive the car smartly. And these lithium-ion batteries, they're smaller than a pile of lead-acid batteries. They're cleaner. They're quieter. You don't need to fill them up with battery fluid or distilled water. So there's no maintenance, unlike lead-acid. I mean, I still have old genes with holes in them from adding battery acid to my batteries. All right, so big changes. We're talking about new systems. It's not like the old battery backup systems. These new systems also have some really good features. It's not just providing backup power. It's not just having solar you can charge your EV through one of these inverter energy charging systems. It's really great. These new systems also have some extremely useful features. It's not just kind of marketing splash. They're not just good for generating solar and not just good for backup power, but they have features built in that will allow you to control the charging of your EV. The EV charger sometimes is part of the system equipment. It allows you to manage other appliances in your home. It allows you to work seamlessly with a generator. If you really want to get a generator, get one of those $500 generators at the big box store, and these systems will be able to control those. There's convenient cell phone apps that you can use kind of like all the other gadgets that we're getting into our phone that you can kind of control your system or you can monitor your system right from your cell phone. I kind of look at it from the perspective of these new systems are really good for future connected homes, for future zero energy homes because they're able to manage, control, and monitor the big energy users in your house. It's not like they're going to care about, you know, how much your kitchen lights are drawing, which is pretty de minimis, but they're going to be managing the big things and you can control the big things like your EV charging, like your HVAC, like your pool system. You'll be able to manage that all within one type of infrastructure. So nice lifestyle benefits there. The last benefit, I'm just going to kind of categorize this as a safety benefit. The risks of fires, of wildfires, keep increasing. I mean, we just had that devastating fire in Colorado. You'd think that we'd be managing the vegetation better. Houses would have sprinklers. People would be a little bit more conscious of wildfire risk, but it's not happening. And I think the reason why is there's more and more homes cropping up in fire zones. I mean, I even just look at the neighborhood we're in around here. People keep building on the, the hillsides along the mountains. There's lots of trees. There's lots of leaves. There's lots of brush, and that'll burn. Now, just because it hasn't burned in the last 50 years doesn't mean it's going to burn again. We're living there now. It's more likely that it's going to burn. So there's more homes in wildfire zones. There are more utility lines that are exposed. And, you know, it's kind of puzzling to me as to why we're having more wildfire issues because of power lines. But I think the reason is that the utilities are not maintaining those lines like they should be. They cut corners, they got bigger executive bonuses, and they let the brush grow near the utility lines. They didn't maintain the equipment on those utility lines, and they're catching fire. You know, you look at part of the issues that PG&E is having, they're guilty for a few of the most recent big wildfires we had in California. And Finally, it's a climate change issue. Some people are not believing in that, but there's no doubt that the weather's hotter drier and windier. And those are three factors that increase the risk of wildfire. Now, it's not only just the wildfires, there's this thing called the public safety power shutoff. And that's when the utilities 
preemptively in advance say, oh, we're going to turn off the power on those power lines so that in a high wind event, the power lines don't blow over or blow into a tree and cause a fire. So they do that proactively. And they might announce it you know, a day in advance and then they might have the power off for a day or two. And it could be hundreds of miles away from your home or it could just be 10 miles away from your home. But that's happening on a regular basis here in California and it, it helps reduce the chance of wildfires. It's not stopping them because we're still having these fires, but you know, that's happening. And it's a bummer when your power goes out, especially because we're all so much more dependent on electricity. It's kind of like Gilligan's Island. We're not living in Gilligan's Island anymore. We need electricity for our phones. We need electricity for our electric vehicles. You don't have the professor, you know, or Red Flintstone running the car on his feet. Our cars don't need gas. They need electricity. If there's a blackout, we can't fill up our cars. And so it's really important and handy to have some source of power in case of a blackout. Houses used to have fireplaces, wood stoves. In some cases, you can't even install them in new homes. So our heating systems, obviously, our air conditioning systems, are all dependent on electricity, refrigeration. You don't want your ice cream to melt, but you really don't want any important medication to go bad if you don't have refrigeration. Our home alarm systems and security systems require electricity. And, you know, you know, anybody with kids know how important it is to keep that internet going and keep those entertainment systems running. Otherwise, the kids are going to start going crazy and, you know, God forbid they go outside and play. But these are all things in, in our culture, our lifestyle is so dependent on electricity. So these safety issues, these fire issues will affect people even if the fires are very remote. So four reasons why this is going to be a big year especially the first six months for solar and storage. And I want to be really objective and looking at it from a contractor's perspective. I put on my customer hat. Yes, I'm a little biased because I'm in the solar and battery industry, but putting on my contractor's hat, it's a very tough time to be installing solar and battery systems because the demand is high. The availability of the equipment is tight. The prices keep going up. The utility regulations keep changing. And you know, we want to install these systems the right way. It's tricky. The trained installers, the people we have on our staff that, you know, we just didn't hire them and they knew how to do this. We had to train them. It's hard to find enough really good, capable installers that can not only install the solar panels on the roof, but can install the battery systems, can do the necessary minor house rewiring, and can configure these systems. So in a nutshell, from a contractor, yeah, I love the demand for the business, but sometimes too busy is not always a good thing or it's just maybe more stressful than I would prefer. So just to summarize, if you're in California and thinking about solar or a battery, don't wait until next year. Don't even wait until the second quarter of 2022 because you may be disappointed. Get started with your decision-making process now for your solar and battery and pull the trigger pretty quickly because if you wait, good contractors, and I consider ourselves to be a good contractor, we're going to get into the March timeframe. We're going to say, you know, we can't guarantee that your system's going to be installed, inspected, and interconnected in time to get into that net metering two window. All right, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcast.